All Talk, Grandstand's Motor Racing Show. They must be exhausted. All Talk. Well, that is just a phenomenal effort. This is All Talk with Scott Rowlandson and Jason Bright on ABC Grandstand Digital, online and on your mobile. From horses to humans and the fastest form of racing, motorsport, and the coveted World Drivers' Championship. The year 1959, the course Sebring in the United States with the quiet Australian Jack Brabham. In the middle stages, Sterling Moss pulls out with mechanical trouble and Jack Brabham, number eight, has only to complete the course to win the World Championship. Bruce McLaren, number nine, has moved into second place and the race is dominated by the Cooper Works team. Brabham and McLaren speed towards the finish. It appears to be all over, but there's unexpected drama before the end. In the last lap, less than half a mile to go, Brabham runs out of petrol, and Bruce McLaren at 22 is the youngest driver ever to win an international Grand Prix. In an atmosphere of great excitement, Jack Brabham pushes his car across the line in fourth place to become the first Australian ever to win the World Championship. I think basically, when I went to England, uh, I was really one of the first Australians over there. And uh, the fact that I was over there, I used to pride myself with being Australian. And uh, then, of course, when I came back here, of course, many years later, um, I continued. And um, although my road racing was over, uh, I still get quite a lot of uh, attention anyway. Today we honour Sir Jack Brabham. Hello and welcome to the program. Later on the show, Lucas Dumbrell will join us to talk about uh, his one-car team in the V8 Supercars Championship and the performance of veteran Russell Ingle. But first, welcome from Brad Jones Racing, Jason Bright. Morning, Jason. Morning, mate. Sad week in motorsport. First reaction yeah, to, to hearing the news about Sir Jack? Uh, yeah, very very sad. Uh, you know, he was... Um he was an inspiration, I think, to, to every Australian that has been involved in motorsport since his time because, you know, what he did back then and, uh, you know, what he did having, you know, building his own cars and racing them, I think that, you know, it's sort of it's something that you know, every driver and mechanic engineer can, uh, can relate to how big an effort that was. Can you describe just how important he was to Australian motorsport? I, th I think, uh, you know, I think he, he basically you know, held our flag higher than, uh, than anyone, um, you know, to, to win world championships, like he said then, you know, going over to Europe all that time ago and, uh, and taking on the likes of, you know, the, the major car manufacturers and drivers from around the world. You know, it, it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, packing up and, and doing it in, in that era. I mean, you probably didn't know any better at the time, but mm. uh, what he achieved was, was amazing. And what he achieved, I imagine, opened doors right through up into the likes of Daniel Ricciardo, who's in F1 now. He really was the, the flag bearer and the one that opened a lot of doors for Australians. What did his success do for, for drivers, do you think, in those following years? Well, I, you know, I think that it gave us all some inspiration to go and have a crack at, at Formula One. I mean, it's, it's never been easy for Aussies to get overseas and and compete in those categories but you know he what he did was was uh very special you know even to the point of building his own cars and and having the engines designed and built in australia and and then going on to win world championships i mean you know that 
it's uh, you know compared to to what you have to do these days to to go over there, it's um you know it's a mammoth effort. So you know I, I you know take my hat off to him. He was a great guy. I was fortunate to meet him a, a few times, and um you know just a all round nice guy. What what was he like to meet for the first time? Well, for me, it was uh, you know I was um, awestruck because you know he was someone that that was probably a little bit before my time, but I knew a lot about his career and uh, and what he'd achieved. Um, you know, but you know, I I guess you know I, I was um, I was sort of trying to carve my own career in in motorsport, and he was you know a lot of guys that have sort of been there, done it before, probably don't give you the time. Whereas he was, uh, you know, he he definitely paid attention and um you know was was great to talk to the legacy lives on in a sense we spoke to Matty brabham one of his grandsons doing really well in america um another one of his grandsons doing well in, in europe and obviously you've raced with his sons over the year uh, over the years the, the talent flowed on through the generations which doesn't always happen when you have uh, the big name but for sir jack's family it seems to have filtered through yeah it did and you know he's, he's um you know two of his sons you know, have won Le Mans 24 hours, uh, you know, raced Indy cars, Formula One, and, you know, each of them have made it to that level. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's great. I mean, I saw an interview with him just recently and, uh, you know, he wasn't sort of pushing them to get into motorsport at all, and, and but they all wanted to do it. And I think that's, you know, that's sort of carried on again to the next generation. Brody, what do you think in a few years to come when people look back on Jack Brabham? What, what do you think his legacy will be when people talk about Sir Jack and what he brought to not just the sport, but to Australian sport in general? I think that, you know, probably the the one thing that stands out for me is just how much of a nice guy he was. I mean, listening to some of the interviews, though, he was probably a little bit tougher racer than what he came come across as, as a person. But, you know, he was, uh, I think he was just one of the nice guys and, um, you know, he uh, he put everything into it. You know, being a mechanic engineer and, uh, you know, building his own cars, you know, he was, he was sort of involved in every aspect of it. Let's have a look back on the life, the career and the tributes that have flowed this week for Sir Jack Brabham. By December, Jack Brabham is the leader in the World Drivers' Championship and the United States Grand Prix at Sebring is the final race of the series. Only one other driver, Sterling Moss, has a chance of beating Brabham for the championship if he can win this race. Yeah, I nearly didn't win the championship because on the last race, I was leading the race by a mile. On the last lap, it ran out of petrol. Bruce McLaren was racing with me, and of course he went on to win the race. I coasted along till I got about within 50 yards of the finishing line, and it was slightly uphill. I jumped out and pushed the car over the line. And Bruce McLaren, at 22, is the youngest driver ever to win an international Grand Prix. In an atmosphere of great excitement, Jack Brabham pushes his car across the line in fourth place to become the first Australian ever to win the World Championship. Pushing the car over the line and win the championship, that was fantastic. Motor racing is uh, like a disease, I think. You know, once you start it, you can't uh, get rid of it. And uh, it, um, it was very exciting and uh, challenging, put it that way. What made you want to go to Europe? Was it the fact that you knew you were good or was it the fact that that's what you did to, to further your career? No, I just went over for 12 months' experience. It took seven, uh, 25 years to come back. <laughs> 
And Australia loved you the, the whole time while you were doing that as well. And the fact that you did take on the Cooper car as well, how important was that, that relationship with, with the Cooper car to what we see as Sir Jack Brabham today? Well, actually, that was really my starting point in Europe. And uh, I drove for Coopers for uh, five years. And uh, during that five years, we won the championship twice. So uh, it was a good aiming anyway, and it was really good for me because uh, I got on well with John Cooper and uh, uh, we, we had a really good, successful team. And in terms of the, the Brabham name, you really made it when you were actually building your own cars and then racing them. How hard was that to actually be building your car, making sure the technical specifications were right, and then getting in it and racing it around a racetrack? Well, that was giving me something to do. <laughs> okay, let's go straight back to our breaking news. And Formula One racing legend Jack Brabham has died at the age of 88. So Jack Brabham's son released a statement on behalf of the family. David Brabham said, It's a very sad day for all of us. My father passed away peacefully at home at the age of 88 this morning. He lived an incredible life, achieving more than anyone would ever dream of, and he'll continue to live on through the astounding legacy he leaves behind. He was a real trailblazer in, in many ways. He worked with another Australian in Ron Turanak, a very a very smart uh, engineer and, and friend of his and, and the pair of them uh, were, were able to, to build a car that in many ways changed, uh, changed Grand Prix racing. Um, they were a very clever pairing. Um, you know, he, he even in, in recent years, we were able to sort of catch up with him for some interviews and bits and pieces. And you, just the person that he was never, ever changed. He was very, very grounded. Uh, he would often say it straight if he had an opinion on some things. And he was very proud of of the generations that followed. I know uh, one person today who will be quite upset will be Mark Webber. Uh, he was a, a great admirer of the things that Sir Jack achieved during his career. He, uh, he liked Sir Jack a lot. Jack Brabham achieved something that no one else will ever achieve ever again, which is that, uh, and it really, Australia should feel proud of the fact that uh, not only this guy, but certainly um, what was developed here in this, this country by the way of Sir Jack building his own car and and the engine which was built by, which is called a Repco Brabham engine, which was built here in Australia and developed here in Australia. Um, and he went out and won world championships and he was the only to win world championships in a, in a car that was built, designed and built by himself and, uh, and obviously uh, engineers that he had with him and certainly an engine that's been developed here in this country. And that will never, ever happen again because there's no way known that uh, a driver will be able to achieve anything that comes close. It's a rare breed. I mean, uh, certainly in this day and age, you know, the drivers don't do any work on their own cars. But in those days, you know, Sir Jack would jump out of his car and probably attend to it, the mechanical side of it himself to a certain degree and uh, jump back in and win a Grand Prix. I put him right up there with the likes of, uh, of, of Bradman and Fraser and the greats of Australian sport. Not just motor racing lost a great man today, but I think uh, as to the Australian sporting landscape and society, this is the passing of an era. Because the big aim now is to um, die without an enemy in the world. I'm going to outlive the bastards. <laughs> An incredible man, and our thoughts are with the Brabham family.
On ABC Grandstand Digital, this is Scott Rowlandson and Jason Bright with All Talk. Let's turn to V8 Supercars now in the uh, Perth 400, the last meet on the calendar. Bridie, uh, I might get your take on the event, first of all, the two races on the Saturday and the one on the Sunday. How um, how did you sum it up? Well, it was another you know, great weekend with, with new winners and, uh, you know, it was... Um Good racing. Uh, I, I like those races where tyre degradation, a bit of strategy comes into it. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a, a good weekend. And, you know, for, for Chaz to score his first win for FPR was uh, was pretty special as well. Championship-wise, for the, the top five, it really didn't do a great deal. Shane Van Gisbergen probably lost a couple of places or, or a couple of points, I should say. But realistically, the, the main five or six were thereabouts over the weekend. So no real surprises in that sense. No, there wasn't. And, you know, like you said, Shane had a bit of a tough weekend. Perth has a bit of a nature of sort of, uh, you know, doing that. You know, the, the you'll have guys that just have one of those weekends there and you can't, you, you're not fast and it uses tyres and it's just the biggest struggle ever. And, you know, I've had that before there where, you know, you just, everything you try, you know, nothing works. And, uh, and you know, you sort of finish the weekend scratching your head. You go back there the next year and, and you're on the pace and you just can't can't sort of put your finger on why it wouldn't work that particular year. So I'm sure they've just had one of those weekends. And what about for you, mate? A, a mixed weekend? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, qualifying certainly hurt us the first day and a mistake that I made in uh, in the first race. But, you know, we uh, we sort of recovered pretty well on, on Sunday. Uh, it, it was... Uh, like, like I said, it was a bit of an interesting day. We, uh, you know, strategy-wise in those races with, um, you know, with such high tyre degradation, we actually ran three stops in the Sunday race and it sort of worked out line ball with where Fabian was on two stops. You touched on Chaz, who had the win on the Sunday. Scotty McLaughlin continues to show the goods as well. Are you surprised by both of these two blokes that they're not just a flash in the, in the pan, that they continue to, to punch out good results? No, I'm, I'm not surprised. You know, it's uh, you know they've both had some good experience the last few years in the development series, and they're you know, at the top of the top of the series there. And uh, you know, just it's about getting the right opportunity in the right cars. And you know, both of them seem to have landed in in pretty good situations. It's working well for them. And you know, they, I don't think there's any shortage of talent in our sort of uh, lower ranks. Get your thoughts soon on uh, where things are at championship-wise as we head into uh, a couple-of-week break before Darwin. But uh, while we're on Perth, another team that showed pace over the weekend was Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport. Russell Ingle, particularly quick in qualifying on the Saturday, and Lucas has been good enough to join us on the program this morning. G'day, Lucas. Hey, guys. How are you going? Really well. Encouraging signs for, for your squad in Perth, especially in that Saturday qualifying, really showed the pace of the car. Is that what you take away from the weekend? Yeah, definitely. I suppose as well as um, you know, kind of being, uh, I suppose being pretty excited about the the pace and qualifying a little bit. At the same time, a little bit disappointed just with the our race results. I kind of we all, you know, all of the all of us at the team feel like we didn't uh, didn't quite capitalise on the qualifying speed. But um, I think it's it kind of uh, it kind of plays back to the uh, the competitiveness of the category. And um, we uh, we qualified quite well and. Um, and unfortunately, just didn't get the uh, the race set up quite uh, quite, uh, quite correct, and it um, unfortunately placed too much stress on the uh, the rear tyres, and and uh, based on on basically uh, just that and the nature of the circuit, like Jason was coming on before, we're um, just a smidgen off, and um, unfortunately we finished you know tenth, eleventh, and thirteenth uh, in the, the three races, so definitely not quite as high as the uh, our kind of our third, couple of third place uh, qualifying, but um, yeah, no, still pretty positive overall. 
on on the uh, Sunday race, mate, it looked like you had found quite a bit of pace from where I was sitting and, and better tyre life. You know, you might, I think that fr- from the outside, it looked like the team worked quite well and, and made some pretty good improvements overnight. You know, but listening to you there, it doesn't sound like you think you made such good gains on, on the Sunday race. Yeah, probably I was probably more summing up as an overall, just a little bit of a, you know, when you qualify, uh, you know, uh, with a pair of thirds, you know, ideally, you know, God, you hope to come away with at least a pair of top fives, if not, uh, you know, in two, uh, two podiums, but um, probably uh, probably just being a little bit selfish. Um, the guys, you know, they really did a good job, and, and I, um, you know, I suppose you, you, you've pulled me up on that, so you, you probably had a, you know, as good a view as I did on Sunday's race. Um, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, in the first, uh, the first stint, we probably had one of the biggest stars on track, and um, it, you know, it's probably unfair of I me mean, to say I was, uh, I was completely disappointed. Brendan, uh, my engineer, and uh, and Russell, they kind of got their heads together Saturday night, and and did uh, they were obviously made their improvements for the uh, the race car um, on Sunday. And uh, unfortunately, our last stint on Sunday wasn't as uh, wasn't as um, I suppose as fast as we'd like to be. But um, in the first in um, on in I suppose in in racing on Sunday uh, in Sunday's race, um, they were you know I suppose they did make a, a big gain um, a big gain on the race setup, but still I suppose. Um, just yeah, like I said again, just shows back to how competitive this, um, this category is these days. Um, that um, you kind of you uh, if you don't qualify that well, or you're a smidgen off in uh, race setup. You know, you kind of you just can't get get your way. You know, you can't get your way all the way to the front. Lucas, what's Russell brought to the team this year? Uh, probably just experience, as you can probably guess. Um, he's just um, you know same as I suppose you know Jason have with being you know around with a uh, for a few years in, in this category. They just, they, and they uh, and and being in a few teams, they kind of they, these guys know, you know what uh, what uh, you know what it takes to uh, for a team to be successful and um, and what it takes for a team to be unsuccessful. You know, and um, they just, I suppose Russell's just been fantastic. You know, as well, you know, just with his natural ability, obviously being able to drive the race car, but also his off track stuff, just being able to tell us, you know, he thinks you know this needs to change or this procedure needs to be different. You know, because you know when he was back at SBR and it was you know obviously obviously winning championships and finishing second and such. Um, you know, it works well, or you know, and, uh, he's basically just been telling us, you know, over the years of his experience, you know, what's worked well and what hasn't, and um, you know, um, you just be silly not to kind of take note of uh, uh, of what he's saying, and um, and you know, and I think it's you know exactly that. It's uh, you know, just even after what we're in five or so six rounds in or whatnot, um, we're you know, we're already you know had kind of um, called a few uh, a few uh, I suppose you know, I wouldn't say the results, but um, a few top uh, a top positions, you know, being in uh, a couple of qualifying spots and. You know, fourth place, and a you know, you know, it's an okay result so far. Um, unfortunately, um, I'd probably like a few more race results rather than qualifying results, but still, um, I can't really complain. You know, he's he's pretty good like that. I saw him a couple of rounds ago offering a bit of advice to the officials, even. Yeah, yeah, I think he, um, you know, then that even yeah, off tracker, sorry, off tracker. I think I commented on you. He's definitely, uh, he's not scared to give me his advice either. And you know, I definitely agree. I think the Winton one, God, I think. You know, we did. Uh, you know, I'm probably, oh, I'd probably, probably, uh, I'm probably not that biased. Um, but I can actually say, you know, I think for the for the the uh, I suppose on track infringement, I think you know, 100 percent we deserved a penalty. I think what Russ was trying to basically say in his um in his his colourful words um was that um you know another guy had uh, had uh, had uh, I suppose uh, got hit hit another bloke on track in a very similar fashion. Um, you know, in only a brief touch and um it spun him round and um he's received a 25 point penalty, whereas obviously we received a uh. Uh, a drive-through, which obviously you know, um, it might sound like they're quite quite similar in terms of uh, penalty. Uh, they're actually not. You know, if we're running 
if you're running, uh, you know, 19 to 20, um, you'd rather take a drive through because, you know, you might lose one or two positions and uh, the, the points uh, increments between each position at that bet down that far is, you know, three or six points in between. Whereas if you're running in the top three or top two or for a win, you know, 25 points is, uh, is nothing compared to, you know, being able to stand on the podium, as you, you know, you well know. So I think, I think what Russ is just saying is with, you know, just the discrepancies of, with the consistency is what he was commenting on. Um, and I think as, as anyone would know, you know, and as anyone would expect, you jump out of a race car and you you get a camera put in your face after, you know, you've had potentially a win taken away from you for something which you don't, you, know, you might not agree with. Uh, generally, guys don't ever agree with it. But, um, you know, just I think with, with the stuff he was, um, he was questioning, I think he had a good reason to question it. He probably just um, it was a bit colourful, but I said, um, I think uh, what do you expect, you know, when you stick a camera in someone's face, you know, 10 seconds after getting out of a, a race car for an hour. Uh, Lucas, what, what's the plans for the team itself? We know you switched back to one car this year and brought Russ in, but... Heading towards next year, have you got any idea about what your plans are? Whether, well, first of all, are you confirmed to go around again next year? Are you looking at a second car? Are you sticking with Holden? There's a there's a few there for you to mull over. Yeah, I think well, we're definitely kind of. I don't know if anyone's you know confirmed to go around um, next year. I think it's pretty at the moment. It's pretty uh, pretty touch and go with everyone. I think everyone's working very hard to make sure they've got enough budget and commercial package to make sure it all stacks up. As um as it kind of it's been no secret. Um, all the teams have been um you know kind of been digging deep the last uh, I suppose eighteen months or two years to go uh, to go racing. It's just been such an expensive uh, expensive exercise. But um yeah, like for all for, you know without without kind of guaranteeing, I'd one hundred percent say or ninety nine point nine percent. Say I'll be going around next year, and we hope to. Uh, I suppose we're going around with two cars. The whole idea was this year was to step back to one car and um, and and really focus on. I suppose consolidate on um, on getting um, uh, getting. I suppose a you know a solid solid year under our belt to try and you know uh, I suppose rejuvenate the team's image and um, and effectively uh, I suppose get you know to get some good you know good staff on board. Uh, I suppose. Uh, as well as you know, a good driver. And I think we've we've ticked the driver vote, and we've nearly you know we've nearly got a full group of uh, of uh, of uh, good staff on board. It's just um just uh, it's just a difficult thing, you know. And actually, people don't really realise. Um, and I think Jason Beato uh, comment or support this is a it's, it's honestly if you you, you could uh, you could have the best driver in the world, but if you haven't got like a great team of uh, personnel behind you, from the truckie down to uh, the your number one mechanic down to your engineer, you really you kind of you might as well not have that great driver on board. It's um. It's such a team effort. It's a, uh, it's unbelievable. So, um, how much, um, you know, everyone involved just makes the, uh, makes, makes the, uh, makes the successful package. Lucas, um, appreciate you taking the time to join us this morning, mate. Um, best of luck for the rest of the season. It, it's going well, as you say, going in the right direction, and hope it continues that way over the rest of the year, mate. Thanks for taking time to join us on uh, ABC Grandstand. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It's Lucas Dumbrell there, uh, Jason Bright. He's a uh, He's a passionate bloke, and um, he sounds pretty driven when it comes to getting that team up towards the, the pointy end of the championship. But him and Russell it would be an interesting combination, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he's right. Russell's brought some good experience there, and, and it's probably what the team's been lacking you know, the last few years. Uh, you know, the constant changes and you know, personnel and drivers you know, doesn't make it easy. But you know, having someone there that, that has got a bit of experience and driven for... Some uh, some different teams over the years that that have won championships. You know, I think that 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 has definitely seen them move up quite a bit, and you know they've surprised me on a couple of occasions this year already. Yeah, showing some good signs, Lucas Dumbrell Motorsports. Um, next fortnight we'll hear from the main contenders. It's not really the halfway point of the season; about six rounds out of fifteen done. But with the uh, winter break, it's a good chance to recap and see where things are at uh, at this point as we head mid-year.
Uh, Mark Winterbottom, you'll hear from him. You'll hear from Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup. Also, Fabian Coulthard and James Courtney on the program next fortnight as you get uh, two minutes with all the contenders to hear why they will win the season 2014. But um, Jason Bright, as always, great to catch up again this week. Um, look forward to chatting again. What are you doing in your time off? Uh, having a bit of a spin in a Porsche this weekend coming. And uh, you know, and then, yeah, just uh, probably put the feet up for a week or so. But you know, it, it'll come around pretty fast, I know that. There'd be a list of chores by this stage of the season, wouldn't there? <laughs> uh, no, not not. Not too many. Um, no, there's a bit of work being done around the house where we're renovating at the moment. So that's uh, that's sort of disrupted things. Don't have a kitchen in the house at the moment. So, you know, I can't sort of show off my cooking skills. And so, yeah, it's, um, Can you cook? it's a little bit different to normal. Can you cook? Uh, I can, but not that well. There you go. That's a revelation to end the show. <laughs> Mate, um, talk again in a fortnight. You can stay um, up to date with what's happening via the website, abc.net.au slash grandstand. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and love for you to join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter as well. Look for ABC Grandstand. Until we talk again in a fortnight, enjoy your motor racing.